Hey friends, Pastor Brandon here, and we are so excited that you logged on to stream our sermon content here at Community Covenant Church. We pray that it is uh, helpful, enjoyable, and that will help you grow into all that God has created you to be. We have other ways that we help you grow here. And first, that is through our gatherings on the weekend. Um, and it's also in groups as we gather together as the church uh, beyond the weekend. Um, and we are applying this sermon content and the gospel to our lives. And and then lastly, through mission opportunities, both serving inside and outside the local uh, church. And so what we pray is that this sermon content uh, is in no way replacing a meaningful relationship between you and a local church, whether that's our church or another one in our area. Uh, we just would pray that this is supplemental to you and not a replacement of a meaningful engagement with a local church. And so just praying uh, for you as you continue to grow and pray that God continues to uh, help you connect to a group of people that love you and know you. Blessings. Grab your Bibles. Uh, we are going to be in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 17. That's on page 560. We're also going to be at, page, uh, uh, at Galatians, chapter 5, um, which is on page 974. So you're going to have to stick your finger in one and flip to the other. Um, if you want to you know, track along on your phone, you can as well. Um, but we're going to uh, journey through this uh, together today. We're in a series called Real Marriage. And what we're trying to do over the next number of weeks is just kind of deconstruct all the stigmas that our culture teaches us about marriage um, and, and all the, the stigmas that we feel like we have to present in order to be uh, just an acceptable couple or whatever. Um, we're trying to break all of that down and just be real about some stuff because there's, what's really easy is in our marriages and even just in our relationships, our emotions, the way we think, everything about our lives, it's very easy to get stuck in the trap of thinking that we are alone and how we engage everything. It's very easy to get stuck in that. And so we're like, oh, no one else knows, no one else understands, um, but every single one of us has every single one of our own experiences that are very much like the others. And, and, and what we want to do is just kind of call that out. You, you know, how, how relieving is it when you think you're carrying a secret that everyone, everyone else has the same secret? You know, like, that, make, that like makes you feel better, doesn't it? Well, we're just going to call out the crazy in some of us and, and realize that this, this, is, this is actually a journey that we are all on. And marriage is one of those things. Um, relationships are really one of those things. And, uh, and, and today, today's content, I believe, is not just, you know, you, we're going to apply it a lot to marriage, but I believe that you'll just be better at relationships if you can unpack what's going on in this conversation today. Um, but, but we're going to call this out today. Let's be real. We all get a little bit crazy. Come on now, right? Don't we all get a little crazy? Just four of us. Thanks, Richard, for waving me down on that. That's cool, man. Just me and Richard are crazy. And that's true. That's true. When we have coffee together, that's great. We get crazy. We get a little crazy, don't we? Like, we all, wait, some of us, we're like, we get a lot crazy. We need, two, we need two arms up. Who else? Come on. Man, we got a bunch of liars in church this morning. Come on, two arms up. We're like, we're like my marriage is crazy. Like, we just get crazy in our relationships. That's, 
Me, 100%, a lot of times people think, oh, Pastor and, and Connie, they, uh, get, they get this perfect little, you don't. We don't, we don't got that at all. Um, and just ask some of our friends. We'll just know. <laughs> In fact, today's sermon came right from my journal because that's how crazy I am. Like, that's uh, exactly how. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm nuts. And so... Um, I'm dealing with my own junk just like you. We all got sin in that. And so um, we're just trying to uh, bounce in that. So today we all get a little bit crazy. And in and the Song of Songs, this is a, a wisdom book on relationships. We all get so crazy that God said, you know what, you need your own wisdom book on relationships. And uh, you know, last week we talked a little bit through so- Song of Songs chapter 1 where Solomon and his new bride, they're pursuing each other, and it's beautiful, and it's like, oh, my word, this is so nice. And all the guys are like, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. But I gained all the ladies right there, so it was perfect. Um, when you're watching the royal sermon yesterday, and oh, this is so beautiful, right? My emotions were all over the place yesterday. I had the royal, the, the royal wedding uh, up front, and then we had the Celtics game on the back end, so I was a mess all day, like just emotional wreck uh, on all different places. But we talked through chapter one, uh, last week and engaged with uh, just what it's like to pursue each other, engage with each other, love each other. But this week in chapter two, uh, we're going to see they take a little bit of a turn, uh, our, our young couple here. So, so chapter two, verse eight says this, oh, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains and bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there, is, look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. Okay, really creepy, Solomon, but let's continue to keep going. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling, come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up, season of the singing birds has come, and the the cooing of the turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling, come away with me, my fair one. And this, look at where it just turns real quick. Verse 14, my dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop on the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. Like how many of, of you had, have had those experiences in your relationships where you're like, oh, the world is so beautiful and amazing. And oh my word, it's like, such, it's like our wedding day. And, all the, and then all of a sudden you're like, why are you hiding behind a rock right now? Can, like, are you, can you see me? Like, why are you hiding from me? Like, come out of the room. Like, we've ha- all had those turns, those sharp left-hand turns in our marriages. But this, look, at what the, look at what the woman says here in verse 15. It says this, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevines are blossoming. blossoming. My lover is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies before the dawn breezes, breezes blow and the night shadows flee. Return to me, my love, like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged mountains. Man, we, we've all had these moments in relationships, haven't we, where things are like awesome in one moment, and then the next minute, it can turn in like a second. All of a sudden, you're like, what's going on here? And then there's this moment afterwards, you're like, man, we just need to get back together. We need to figure this out. And what the, the wisdom that the song is teaching us right now is saying, in the midst of all of that moment, catch all the foxes. Just, you gotta catch the foxes. Because the foxes, when the, we all got foxes, come on. Like, if, if you got like, I got like a herd right, that are like ready to come out at any given moment um, and ruin the vineyard of love. Like, they, like they're just going to come and they're just going to eat that sucker up real quick. 
and the, the wisdom that the scriptures teach us, I mean, we gotta catch those before they ruin our relationships. We gotta catch those before they ruin the relationships. The question is like, okay, how do we catch these foxes? And um, the, the foxes that we kinda, that when they start to get, get out into the vineyard, it starts to make us feel crazy. In fact, when you're trying to, especially if you're in a, a marriage, like you start to catch other, other people's foxes, you're like, man, this is like, we got foxes fighting each other. Like they're crazy in this. And it creates this sense of, 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 of chaos in our life. So the question is, how do we catch all of those foxes? How do we stop the foxes from ruining the vineyard of love? That's where Paul's going to help us out. The Apostle Paul in Galatians, if you go over to Galatians 5, um, he's going to help us sort through this mess. How do we stop the foxes from ruining the vineyard of love? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk through something uh, that we all know something about, something that we all call the crazy cycle, right? Do we know this? Do we know this? No, just me again. Okay, this, we'll get on the same page. Remember, remember I got a Pentecostal upbringing, so we got to get, talk back to me a little bit. We all know something about the crazy cycle, don't we? Mr. and Mrs. Wright, the ideal person that we all want to be, we all love, the prompt to be that person, like you have all these different ways that you can be. You have the response, whether or not you actually do it, and then you start to dance. We all love the dance. And then we got to figure out how to stop the cycle. We all know about the crazy cycle. We all know about these foxes that get out into our gardens and begin to de- deteriorate the, the essence of our loving marriages and our engaging relationships. And so today what we're going to do is just talk through that. And this is the first person we have to really understand is who the ideal person is when it comes to uh, this crazy cycle. This is what Paul's going to tell us here. Verse 19, it says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So he's saying, you in your life, you can either have one or two ways. One, you can allow your sinful nature, you can allow yourself to run your life, or you can let the spirit empower your life. And he's saying, when you let you, like when you run your life, when when your sinful nature runs your life, you get chaos. And when you let the spirit empower your life, you get order. And so we're introduced to our ideal person. Let me just draw them out here really quickly for you. Thank you very much, right? So you have Mr. and Mrs. Right. Okay, look. So you know 
something about this person. It's the person that you all aspire to be. Deep down inside, you want everyone to know something about you. You want everyone to th- at least think something about you. And that is that there's this good and right person that everyone needs to know about in this. And this is the type of, this ideal person, this, 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 this ordered person. You get this. You know who this is. And it's, it's filled, someone who's filled with the Spirit is what Paul is saying in Galatians 5. So what is, the, what is the ideal person, what are they filled with? Love, yep. Joy, yep, right? We know this. And on and on and on it goes. So Mr. and Mrs. Wright, they're, what they're doing is they're empowered by the Spirit. They have order in their life. And they are filling up with the fruit of that type of life, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Like we, we know this to be true. And so, so we're all trying to, like at least, at least trying to live this type of life. And if we're not, we all desperately want people to think we're living this type of life. So something about projecting this is what we are all engaged in. But we're asking God, would you do, actually do this in my life? And so the ideal person is presented to us. Okay, someone who's living by the Spirit, someone we all are engaging in constantly. We all want people to think to be true. But, but, but then we have the prompt to be that person. Look, Paul's gonna continue in, in Galatians 6, verse one. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto their right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And so he's saying, you should, especially in a community of faith, but you should, in just in, in your relationships in general, you should be bearing each other's burdens. You, like there's a prompt to be Mr. and Mrs. Right for the other person. And so what you have to ask is this simple question. If you want to do this in your life, you want to say, what do I see and what do I do? These are the two very simple questions, right? You're like, thank you very much for this earth-shattering information, Brandon. Like, in order to, in order to respond to this idea of being Mr. and Mrs. Right, you have to ask the two questions, what do I see? What do I do? It's for some of us, the intentionality of actually applying the fruit of the Spirit in our relationships is missing. This takes intentionality and intentional work. I just was reading an article this morning by Dr. Henry Cloud. He was saying a lot of times our work environments are so clean and orderly and healthy, but then when we go home, all we do is disengage and we don't pour the same energy and life and movement, and vision, and organization that we would apply at work to our home life. We unplug. And so we actually get into a pattern of overlooking and, and not responding to these prompts to be the, the, the people in our homes the same way that we might turn on when we leave our home. And I'd say perhaps there's some integrity that, that needs to reconnect in your life. So what do I see and what do I do? This is really a simple, really fun kind of illustration of this. Uh, but but you, really get dis- you really get tempted uh, or really get, you know, inf- re- you really reinforce this when you, when you can hop into a car in the morning and see this. 
All right, so this is a really funny thing. Like, like for, for some of you, you're like, you're mad immediately right now, and this isn't even a car. It's just a picture of something in a car. Some of you are like, yeah, I get that. I get that. Right? And so, like, what do I see? What do I do right now? Here's what you can do in this moment. Right? You, you have a decision to make. You can either be Mr. or Mrs. Right or not. Right? You can say this moment, okay, I can just hop in the car. I'm saying, all right, that's cool. Babe, babe forgot to put some car, some gas in the car. No, no big deal. Got, got it. I got it. I'll just, I'll just run, you know, you know, and get some, grab some gas in the car. Everything's kind of done, right? Or <laughs> you get in the car and you go, why is it so hard to put gas in the car? Right? We got some, pe- some people are, are laughing from their guts right now because they, this is their life, right? This is like their fight. This is their fight with a thousand faces. And so you, you have this moment, right? I can do one of two things. I can either be Mr. and Mrs. Right or I can not be. It's the application of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And you're like, dear Lord, give me patience right now. Give me some love. I need some of that self-control. But we really have these two experiences. You can, either, you can do one of two things. You can ignore and justify or you can obey and satisfy. Now, here's the deal. When you obey and satisfy, what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I am being like the person that I really want to be. Like, God created you to be this way. And he's allowing me the opportunity to serve. He's allowing me the opportunity to love. He's allowing me the opportunity to be the person that the other person needs. He's allowing me this opportunity to live outside of myself. But for some, time, some of us, we, we, we can obey and satisfy, and some of us, we just ignore that. But here's the thing. In order to obey and satisfy, you really need a few things. One, you really need some security, right? And security is this. When, you, when you're secure in the Lord, when you're secure in life, it means that your past memories, your present circumstances, and your future ambitions are all underneath the umbrella of Christ. When you have this ability, when you are loved by the creator, when you are adopted into his family and your source of energy and life comes from that primarily, you will find yourself in a level of security that will allow you to serve other people well. And so you need this type of security. For, we also need to be rested because sometimes we also, just our, our physical health will stop us from having the energy to serve somebody. Just resting taking naps, praise the Lord, right? Um, you see, if there's one takeaway, you say, pastor told me I should take a nap on a Sunday afternoon, right? And I'm just saying something your wife wanted to tell you for the last six years, yeah. But, but th- there's a sense of rest and health that, that really we, we find ourselves in. Uh, the, the other way that it becomes more natural for you to obey this prompting is to just be, um, when your trust level is high, when the trust for the other person and their trust for you, and this, there's, a, there's an, a, a, just a commitment to trust, it's a lot easier to serve. It's a lot easier to pursue each other because you don't have some stuff that's in the middle. We'll get there in a second. Also, your love take is full, meaning like you feel loved by the other person and the other person feels loved by you. There's just this natural fruit that comes out because you're exercising the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of your relationship. But for some of us, we, we kind of get into an ignore and justify mode and what we do is it, it stems from insecurity. 
that's when you have your past memories, your present circumstances, or your future ambitions are not found in Christ, but they're found in yourself, or they're found in another person, or they're found in some sort of cultural world. It's this, it's this moment where, where you really are, are, are really insecure about something in your past memories that are just wreaking havoc on you, something about your current level of stress, your current level of pursuit of work or some sort of a hobby that's just causing some havoc, wreaking havoc in you, or something about the way that you're pursuing your future, whether you're career-minded or you got something that you want to see, a type of house, that's just causing that level of insecurity to rise up within you. And that insecurity will stop you from looking outside of yourself and stop you from serving in the other person because you're trying to suck it all in. You need that, you need that security coming from the outside of you. And so you stop it. The other thing that you, you kind of get stuck into is your own pride and sin. Uh, just over the last few months, the Lord has really been doing a work on me with this one specifically. I, I just realized that I had some sin patterns in my life that I didn't even know were there. And it was causing a lot of marital strain in, in some different ways. And I was, I was really finding myself just dis, being dismissive about some stuff that I had no clue that I was even doing. Like I just had this, this is just the pattern of sin in my own life um, that, was, that was causing the actual problem. And when fights would happen, I'd be like, well, that's, no, that's not my fault. But, but, but really, there was a pattern that I was, I was causing and I was creating. And when you get to that moment, you realize that your sin is causing that. It really, you've, you've, <laughs> it just, it causes some deep confession and repentance. You feel really uh, poorly and badly about that, but you can find your grace in Christ. Right? And so the other thing is, is, is an interaction because how many know just sometimes they really make you mad? <laughs> right? Come on, come on now. Like they just, you just made me really mad. It has nothing to do with my childhood. It has nothing to do about my, you just, you just did something that really upset me. And, and that interaction will, will cause um, a resentment. And sometimes their track record, the resentment towards their track record Right? Resentment towards their track record will even cause you to ignore this prompting. And, and one big one that we want to jump on for a second is sometimes it's your auto-responses. Now, this one's going this, to, this I'm going to, again, drop this all. You can watch the video later to catch up, maybe if you need it. Um, here's the deal. Auto-responses, it's literally your neurosystem. Like, your body is made up of a bunch of systems, and your, your neurosystem um, is going to going to keep record of some certain things in your different parts of your brain. Your brain has three sections. Um, called, one's called the neocortex. Then you have the limbic system in the corner and the brainstem coming down. That's a terrible artistic rendition of the brain, okay? So don't, don't let me, don't, don't, don't judge me, all right? But you have three major sections. You have the brainstem. The brainstem is responsible for things like breathing. Can I get an amen? We love, we love the brainstem, don't we? Next time you wake up in the morning, you have your chair time, thank God for your brainstem because you woke up. Um, we take that for granted. Uh, but the next part that sits right above the brainstem is it's called the limbic system. The limbic system is responsible for all of your emotions. Okay? It's responsible for all of your emotions. Um, and, and then above that, is your neocortex. That's all of your thinking. All of your thinking. Now you think the biggest part is all your thinking, um, and so that should be the, you know, the, the most in tune and the fastest part of your brain, but actually the limbic system responsible for all of your emotions sends information 50 times faster than your thinking part of your brain. Now, now here's, here's the deal. The limbic system 
will bring into itself emotionally charged memories. So if you had some sort of a big trauma in your life, it puts a big, big old uh, brand right on your limbic system. Even little tiny T traumas, like little, little things that happen throughout the course of your life, it stores all of that information because your, your limbic system wants to do one thing, keep you safe. And so it's going to send signals to you saying, okay, you've been in this situation before and I want to keep you safe. Here's another example of this. Um, if you've ever been in an alleyway or walking down a street, right, and you see something that might be related to something of a gun, or maybe you see something, or maybe you woke up and you heard a noise, right? You wake up, you hear a noise, and what happens? Your heart stop, starts bumping, right? You don't even know, if th- literally, your cat could have done something, right? Or your dog could have moved, but you're thinking, oh, I'm going to die, That's literally what your limbic system is giving you information about. And way before you could ever think about what could possibly be happening, your brain is sending you emotional triggers to keep you safe. This happens in our relationships. It's called limbic hijack. And the, the, the limbic system will send you emotional triggers to say to keep yourself safe. And so what happens is you've been in these positions and it will cause you to not do this because because it's saying, okay, there's something unsafe about that. And the problem is the limbic system sends it 50 times faster than the neocortex. So what happens is you could not be fighting with somebody, you could be fighting with your dad from 20 years ago. There's something that's coming up about the current situation that's causing you to literally respond. And what feels so crazy about this is that you have no clue. You think you're kind of responding to the interaction, but really it's an emotional charged memory from years and years and years and years ago. And this stuff comes up constantly when you're pursuing different things. And it's wreaking havoc on our relationships, but really we need to go unload them with a good counselor, unload them with with a good friend or community group. And so the more and more we pursue this, the more we'll understand that our brains and our neurosystem literally maneuver through this. When you do that work, you'll be like, I didn't even know I was mad at that guy in third grade. Like, it's still coming up in my fights. Like, I don't even realize. But when you do that type of work, you'll realize that you can be free from a lot of different things. So, so you, you, you ignore and just, if you obey and satisfy, that's going to continue to bring about the fruit of the Holy Spirit within your marriage. But a lot of times, man, <laughs> this is our day-to-day, isn't it? This is our day-to-day. And this is my day-to-day. And, and you're, you're constantly finding yourself in a moment where you need to confess and repent and ask God for his empowerment of your life. Now, here's what happens. When you live in the ignore and justify mode, you, have two, you, you do one of two things. Because you so badly want the world to see that the fruit of the Spirit's coming out of you and that you want to be this Mr. Right, that you, that you have to close the gap with accusation, with accusing and blaming, or excusing and justifying, right? So depending on which way you bend, you might accuse the other person, you're a bit maybe, maybe in anger or you maneuver somewhere else, or you go inside and you excuse the behavior in some way and you justify why you didn't do it. It's, but each one of those is a symbol and a connection of pride. 
you're trying to say, oh, I really am this person. I really just couldn't do it for some reason, whether it was their fault or your own. I just couldn't do it. And so whether you sit down in front, you see this, you see this uh, gas gauge, and you say, okay, uh, you accuse, and you say, oh, man, they just never, ever fill the gas tank. They just never do it. And you begin to tell yourself stories, right? You begin to tell yourself stories. Why is this the case? When you think about the crazy cycle, you have the ideal person, you have, you have, you have prompting to be that person, the response to be it, but then this is when the moment things start to dance. We start to dance right here. Because your self-justifying stories are going to tell you you are that person and the other person isn't. This is where like, the marriage version of the Macarena starts. Like It's nuts. And you all know what I'm talking about. Because let's be real, we all get a little crazy, don't we? And we enter into trying to fix this. We say, okay, I'm going to tell my spouse the problem, right? And I have my own solution because, of course, I got my own solution. I know how to fix this. I'm Mr. Right. The problem is your spouse <laughs> also thinks that they're Mrs. Right. And they, because they are Mrs. Right, have a solution, don't they? Which just reinforces your problem all the more. And that's where it starts to, you start to dance. And when you pursue this, when you, when you begin to fight like this, it's not long, and you, again, you know this to be true, it's not long before you're not even fighting about what you're fighting about, right? You're like, well, you like your mom more than me. And you're like, oh, we were just were talking about the gas in the car a second ago. And like, how did we even get there, you know? And you start in a cycle that it's really hard to get out. That's when things are said that you wish had never said. That's when things are done that you wish were never done. But we all got some different dances. We all got different styles of dancing going on. And, and if you just throw those up on the screen. Some of you in these moments, this is how you handle this dance. You say, I'm going to demand and withdraw. I'm going to show up to, this, in, up to this fight, and I'm going to demand something happens, and I will withdraw myself until something happens. And you know what that causes? just breeds insecurity. You're just standing on eggshells half the time. It causes just this separation in a major way with you and your spouse. Um, some of you might be find the bad guy. And you demand, you, you just demand some sort of a apology. I'm going to find out whose fault this is. It's amazing that it's never your fault. <laughs> it's always the other person's fault. This, is, this comes out big time uh, these last two come out big time in me. I'm like, I'm just going to find fault right now, and I just, need you to, I just need you to apologize, and then I can continue on in the, in, in the conversation. And half the time, that just, it's just causing more problems. But maybe some of you, you might be frozen. Now, here's the deal. Maybe if you've been married a little while, you're looking at this, and you're like, oh, we're already past this. Like, we're already kind of done on all this thing. And that might be true. You might be so good at obeying and satisfying that the fruit of the Spirit is just evident in your life, or you've been in freeze mode for the last 10 years. 
And that's funny, or it's horrifying, right? You're saying, okay, I just, I know what not to do so they don't get mad. I'm doing this for the kids. I am pursuing this type of, I, I'm, going, I'm going to be able to do, we're going to be able to do this. What counselors do is they call this the impasse, right? I'm going to bystand this. I know what makes them mad, and I know it doesn't. I'm just going to play that game. But you know what eventually happens? You won't play the game. You know what eventually happens is the kids move out. And you're stuck in this frozen dance style. And all you're doing is perpetually living this ignoring and justifying lifestyle. And you're frozen. So the question is really, okay, what do we do? What do we do when we're stuck like that? We, we need to stop the cycle. This is what Paul will say in verse 7. He says, don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But, because, uh, b- but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. He's, this is Paul saying, like, if you want to live a life of empowerment and order, he said, you're going to live, you're going to pursue this, and you're going to constantly never get sick of doing what is good. You're going to pursue that always. But if you get stuck in this ignoring, justifying mentality, if you get stuck in accusing and excusing, if you continue to let your brain hijack the relationship, all you're going to do is reap a harvest of disorder. All you're going to do is reap a harvest of disorder. And so we find ourselves, okay, what do we do to stop the cycle? This is a quick little thing. Number one, we've got to stay flexible. And we've got to own our part. We've got to stay flexible and own our part. You know, when you get stuck into these modes, how hardened do you get? Like, even if the other person tries to apologize, you don't even want to hear it. Because you get stuck in owning, uh, and you get stuck in it. So staying flexible and owning your part. This is, what, this is literally what I, what I do. Uh, when, you're, when your brain kind of gets over and attacks itself with the limbic system, it's literally the same thing as a three- or four-year-old tantrum. Have you ever seen these happening, Right? probably at a grocery store <laughs> because there seem to be awesome at home and terrible at grocery stores for some reason. But you've seen this three to four-year-old type of t- temper changer. This is what we do to Channing. We literally do it when he's going through this. We say, Channing, okay, what's one plus one? Two. Okay, well, what's two plus two? Four. Okay, well, what's four plus four? Eight. And what you're doing is you're forcing your brain to use the thinking part of your brain. So you're, so you're getting out of this hijack that your brain is in. Saying, I need something. I'm hardened. I'm saying, I just, this needs to be mine. You got to stay flexible. Find a fact. Own your part. Some of us, this is, don't, don't, you, really, don't, like, don't, don't you love it, in your marriage when you can get to the point where you're confessing and repenting the other person rather than calling out the other person's mess? That's just like a fun moment. It's a horrible moment getting there. But when you get to the point, see, a lot of us, we stay here. We stay in this moment where we start to say things like, you are. 
X. You are Y. You are Z. And you actually are not actually talking about the problem. All you're doing is trying to make yourself feel better by calling out the other person's sin. But who's the only person that can call out our sin? And who's the only person that accuses us? The enemy. And we take these seats in our life, but really we have to get to this, session, this section of expressing vulnerability. Things like this. I am fearful right now. And this is why. I am angry. And this is why. I feel embarrassed or humiliated. And here's why. And we, we don't like to do that because we like to think we're this. We like to at least let people know we are, even if we aren't inside. And we never get to the point where we need to express this vulnerability. We need to, sh- at that point is when you share your story. All right, here's the story I'm telling myself. Here's the story I'm telling myself. And it's at that moment that you can share your need. But a lot of us, we enter in here <laughs> while we're unflexible and we haven't confessed our sin. And it causes this cycle to just perpetuate on itself. And for some of us, we get stuck in our marriages there for, for months and if not years. But, but here's the deal. We're all terrible at this, aren't we? <laughs> Right? This is, this is theory. This is theory on a board. Man, I, I'm just terrible. And we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks where, where we really can use help to get out of these cycles. But really, we're just terrible. And, and, and here's the thing is a lot of us, we get tempted to say, you know what would be easier? You know what would be easier? If I just do the thing that I did before. If I just was this type of person or if I just went back to this, Man, my single life, I was so much easier when I was, it was, when I was single. Like the dudes were eating ham. That's it, right? Bologna. Craft bologna out of the package, right? Come on, can I get an amen? Like that's when you were, right? That's what, that's what John's doing right now. He's eating bologna out of the package by himself. But no, it's just so easy to do that because relationships are hard. It just, it'd be so much easier to do, to do this. And there's a story in John 21 where the the disciples actually thought that too. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter is feeling so insecure and he's so prideful about his own junk. He had just betrayed Jesus three times. And he said, you know what? It's just going to be so much easier. I'm just going to go do what I did before. I'm going to go be a fisherman again. Because at least I know what my life is like. At least I can have full control. And Jesus shows up at that moment. And he says, hey, Peter, how are you doing? How are you doing catching fish? They ain't caught anything. He says, hey, why don't you try throwing your net over on the other side? And the Bible says he caught 153 fish. What's so cool about that moment is that 153 was the total number of species of fish at that time, known fish at that time. So essentially, it was like Jesus saying, I got it all covered. And then when they get back to the, from the boat, the boat comes back on the land, and Jesus has fish cooking. 
You know what Jesus is saying to him? He's saying, you know what, you thought you could go like, take care of everything by yourself? You thought that you had it all controlled, like everything was under control? Like you thought everything was better because you're doing life your way? And I got the very thing you're looking for right here. I got the very thing you're looking for right here. It's like Jesus saying this, you, you want this type of life, but we spend most of our lives like, oh, I just need to try harder and pull up my bootstraps and do a little bit more, and if I just do this better next time. But no, 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 he's saying, you need me. You need me. And at the center of your relationships, at the center of who you are, you can only obey this type of life if you are fully secure in Jesus Christ. He said, I got what you're looking for right here. So the invitation today is do you know and have you surrendered to that type of life? Your marriage, your relationships, your, your stuff might be wreaking havoc. But are we Acknowledging Christ in the middle of who we are. Because we're so terrible at this. It's tough. And so that's why the Bible teaches us that we have to live a steady life of confession and repentance. I'm so thankful for the gospel because when I'm a mess, Jesus isn't. When I'm sinful, he's full of grace. And so each morning I get to live my life. I get to start my day confessing and repenting of my crazy so that my relationships can wreak the fruit of the Spirit, not disorder. And so today, I don't know where you find yourself, but you need to be reminded that there's a good Father, that you are loved now, and that the people around you can receive the love of God through you, whether you're married or you're not.